You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Last week, we looked at Caleb, a man who was described with two key things. He had a different spirit, and he wholeheartedly served the Lord. Now, Caleb, unlike Moses and Joshua, they weren't as famous. Their stories weren't as uh, his stories weren't maybe told as the others were. But there was something about the way that Caleb lived his life that was full of faith, full of expectation for what God was going to do. Today, we're going to be looking at another man of God uh, from the Old Testament. Another one who could have been famous but chose not to be. But he was famous in a whole different way. Jonathan, a faithful friend of David. A friend that could have been king, but recognized that the kingship was not his place. It was reserved for somebody else. We're also going to, as a special treat, hear about a young armor bearer. So unimportant, apparently, his name wasn't even mentioned. But I reckon uh, his heart towards Jonathan and to the kingdom was incredible. And what I'm hoping we will learn today from the courage and the selfless acts of these men is that we, we would prepare ourselves for battle. I'm hearing from prophetic voices across the globe, um, within our own kind of group of conversations here in the city, uh, th- that there is a preparation for war, a preparation for battle. But it's not a militant kind of shake your fist at the enemy as much as it is a standing with the armor of God and allowing God to fight that battle, but being committed to his word and committed to his spirit. I want to encourage us today that as you hear this message, maybe you've just kind of been sitting, waiting for something to happen. But I'm hoping today that all of us would have a front foot faith, that we would step forward with an expectation of what God wants to do in our lives. 2 Corinthians 10.4, it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. If we fight with the weapons that God has given us, we will not fail at all. So this morning, we're going to open the book um, to the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, If you're not sure where that is, you'll find that just before 2 Samuel. You're welcome. Always here to help. 1 Samuel chapter 14. It's up on the screen if you want to follow along with me. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, let's call him John, John the armor bearer. Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Interesting. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. I thought that's interesting that that was important. He was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother Ahitub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sini. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash and the other the south towards Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, as armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. 
Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. I'm going to talk about that because that's just plain crazy. In terms of a fleece, right? We'll come back to that one. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Would you pray with me? What an amazing passage of Scripture we're reading this morning. God, I thank you that with you all things are possible. And Lord, today as we talk about perhaps the Lord is moving, would you speak to hearts? Lord, the things that have been spoken into hearts many years ago, the dreams that are yet to be fulfilled, the, the, the steps that need to be taken, the barriers that need to be overcome, Lord, would, would we hear that from you? Perhaps the Lord is wanting to move today. Thank you for your word. It leads and guides us into all truth and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe in order for us to consistently walk in faith, to follow God's heart and his plan for our lives, we have to adopt what I like to call a front foot faith. A front foot faith, one that is ready for action. Can I get a volunteer? Uh, where's Christian? Come on, Christian. You knew it was coming. All right, come, come and stand on stage. All right, Christian's a, a fellow footballer. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to get you to do anything strenuous. I know, you, I know you're injured a little bit today. So, all right, all right. So, so, so just come forward. All right. Okay. So, so we can be we can be front-footed, or we can be kind of back-footed. So, I, I just I want, I want you to just kind of stand there, and I just want you to just just kind of lean, lean back on on your heels, just back on your heels. All right, okay. Not hard to push him over. I didn't expect you to go the whole way. <laughs> All right, now I want you to be ready as though you're about to step into a fight or even just step into a good steady walk. What would you, what would you look like? Yeah. All right, there's, I mean, I can, I can, I can give him a good push. Maybe I'll get there. It would be kind of this, you know, butting your heads of male. You know, it, would, it would turn it quite messy if we, if we carried on, right? Yeah, yeah so I'll just, I'll just concede and say you're stronger than me. And we'll, we can all agree. But thank you. Thank you. Give him a hand, ladies and gentlemen. When he's, when he's just kind of on his back feet, it's like just a little, little prod in the shoulder and he was over. When he positioned himself, I would have had to exert a whole lot of effort. And I, and I know the determination in him. I probably wouldn't have got him over. And it, as fun as that would have been for all of you to watch, I, I'm, I'm quite happy to concede in that space. But I, I believe that we have to have a, a front foot faith, one that is leaning forward, one that is ready, one that like Jonathan would say, perhaps, perhaps the Lord, perhaps the Lord is in this. It's, it's like I haven't heard the go yet. The, the gun hasn't gone, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. What's the posture of our faith today? Are we in that place of perhaps the Lord? 
perhaps the Lord is wanting to do something. Maybe I'm just getting a feeling, an inkling, a, a nudge, call it what you like. Perhaps the Lord is wanting to move. There are three things I think we can take away from the story so that we would develop and, and live with this front foot faith. The first thought is action precedes breakthrough. I know it seems obvious, but, but sometimes we can say, God, I really need a breakthrough in this particular area. And God says, actually, there's a step I want you to take. I, I want you to take a step, and it might just be a small, simple step, like an application. You might just need to apply for something. You might need to just kind of put your name out there. You might need to just, just go, hey, at the risk of being wrong, can I, I just got this feeling, just got this, this, this nudge, I've got this hunch. We've sometimes just got to take a step because faith, action, precedes breakthrough. I like this, 1 Samuel 14, 1. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, we'll call him John, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now, just a, just a quick disclaimer here. Um, young people, you're listening to this going, oh, I quite like the sound of this. The word of God really is light and life. Obey your father. Okay, just, I'm just going to say it, just blanket, obey your parents. There's a blessing even in the, in the, in the Ten Commandments that comes from obeying your parents. So, so don't follow Jonathan's example here. We'll just, I'm just going to put that out as a disclaimer. Is that okay, parents, if I just say that? Obey your parents, except when they're wrong. Ooh. And if they're wrong, God's going to take care of them. You don't worry about that. Okay? So, in this instance, he chose not to tell his father because I think if Saul had caught wind of it, he would have shut it down. He would have said, no, it's too dangerous. I don't want you to go. You know, as parents, sometimes we're like, oh, oh, be careful, be careful. I'm trying with my children not to say be careful too much. I don't want them to be careful. Actually, I don't want them to be careful. I want them to be wise. And I want them to take risks. And I want them to step out of comfort zones. I want them to go where they haven't been before. I don't want them to be careful. I want them to be wise and brave and courageous. Verse 2 and 3 describe Saul and his notable warriors and priests were sitting under a pomegranate tree. And it says, no one was aware that Jonathan had left. Come on, it's like you, you know, when you're at that party and you just slip out. You just don't want anyone to know that you're gone. Come on, my introverts. Hey, you know, it's like, I'm just going to disappear. Not gonna, no fanfare. I'm just, I'm just heading out. No one even knows I've gone. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One called Bozes and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash, the other the south towards Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Now, this is where I think it's kind of crazy. Uh, you know, sometimes we put a fleece out to God. God, if you do this and you do that, then I'll know that you've spoken to me. So they turn up at the foot of a cliff. At the top of the cliff, there's this fortified outpost. They've chosen it because strategically that's a good place to camp to see any armies arriving. So it's safe. In order to get up there, you've got to use, he says, hands and feet to climb. Hardly a strong strategic military position, right? And so, so Jonathan, now if this was me, I'd say if, if the Lord's in this, they'll come down from their safe, fortified place, 
down here to fight on a level playing field. If, if they do that, that's going to be crazy. That's bad military tactics. They should keep the high ground. Now, that's the, that's the fleece I'd put out to God, right? If, if, if it works better for us, then we know, God, you're in it. But Jonathan goes, you know, if they stay in their comfortable place and just shout insults at us, that's a sign that the Lord is with us. I mean, it's crazy. So they get there. It's like, hey, we're here. Two people against a whole lot of people in a strategically safe position up top. And the response is like, come up. And Jonathan goes, yes, the Lord is with us. That's crazy. And so they climb. Perhaps, and it starts with a, perhaps the Lord is with us. I think sometimes we have to take a step in that space of perhaps. Perhaps the Lord is with us. Perhaps the Lord is asking me. Don't sit and wait for God to move. I think some of us, we're waiting for God to give us something else. But can, can I be honest? I think sometimes, and I know this to be true in my own life, there have been times I've been waiting for something, hoping for something, expecting something, and nine words set me free. Do the last thing God told you to do. The last thing, what, what was the last thing you haven't done yet? Okay, here's a couple. Take them on if you need. Go to bed early. Stop watching Netflix so you can wake up early. Spend time with God in his presence. Hear his voice. Stop spending money on takeaways. When you could be putting money aside for a deposit in a house. Forgive that person. and Release them from judgment. Come on. Sometimes we're, our next step is actually the last step. It's like God's saying, I just, I, I need you to do this next thing. That step of faith means that the next step of faith is going to be better. Sometimes we actually have to step in simple ways. Now, this isn't to suggest that God is a genie in a bottle and we just decide and then God will back our decision. That's not how it works with God. He has his will, he has his purpose, he has his plan for our life. And what we can do is we can actually pass it through God's filter. Second thing is believe God will do it. So the first thing is we've got to, you know, that, that our, our actions proceed breakthrough. The second thing is believe God will do it. Because perhaps the Lord wants us to take a risk in our business. Perhaps the Lord wants us to call that person who we can't get off our mind. Perhaps the Lord wants us to let go of that offense and forgive someone. Perhaps God wants us to complete, uh, speak to a complete stranger. And like I said, is that God's license to bless us? Well, no. The way I like to think about it, perhaps the Lord is a good start to the question, which might be, is this God's will for my life? And I, I pass it through a very simple filter over many years of following the Lord. First thing, does it honor God? This decision I make, will, will it bring honor and glory to God? The second thing, will it bless people? Will people be, be blessed because of this decision that I've made? Third thing, is it in line with what God has already spoken to me about within his word? You know, is this a confirmation of what he's already doing? Or, or maybe I'm hearing it for the first time, but I know it's, it's true in scripture. It's not contradicting him. And lastly, does it build God's kingdom? 
Does God's kingdom get bigger? Even if that means I get smaller. Now, if you can pass that perhaps God through that filter, I don't think we'll go too far wrong too often. And what's the worst that could happen if you went on a perhaps God moment and got most of the way down the journey and God was honored and people were blessed and God's kingdom was built and you didn't even get to completion? Well, that's Hebrews 11, right? All these people that didn't quite get their reward, but they right to the end, they went for it. Let me ask you, what's your perhaps God? Do you have a perhaps God? Perhaps God you are. You're asking this of me. You're, you're inviting me to step. You're, do you have a perhaps God in your heart? Could you ask that today? You know, I'd had the desire for 10 years to publish a children's book around the topic of identity, one loving the skin you're in. Um, I, I would have thought about it every single day, uh, every single week, at least once a week for 10 years. I've got, got to illustrate it, got to publish it, we've got to do it. And for various reasons, I, I published a, a, another book earlier, um, and it was, it was a failure in the sense that we invested a lot of money into it, and you know, it, just, it just didn't do well. It was over in America, and I went with a publishing company that promised the world, and I got about $43 worth of royalties out of it, and spent about 15 grand on the project. <laughs> you know, it was one of those, oh, okay, a little bit of wisdom would have been helpful before I stepped into that one. And so I kind of just given up. I was like, oh, I've done, I've done it, but I won't try again. Ten years I sat on this story. And then I had a perhaps God moment. At a conference I was attending, it was a perhaps God. Perhaps God, you're in this. Perhaps right now this message of identity, where children would accept the identity that the Creator has given them, is actually important. Not knowing what's going on in the last four or five years. I took a perhaps God moment, and, and it was quite a big perhaps God moment because Amy and I, we then decided, okay, well, I know how much it costs to, to get one of these books over the line and to get good illustrations. I mean, I could draw them myself, but no one's going to buy those ones. So I needed to pay an illustrator to get that job done. So our perhaps God was, okay, well, perhaps God, if you're in this, we're going to sell our house and we're going to downsize. So we did. We put our house on the market and we had a number, a price that we, we felt like we needed, which could mean that we could downsize our mortgage and then take out a mortgage for the, the money that we could afford to lose if it all went belly up. And, and we went for it. We put it on the market. The agent called and he, and he said, I've got an offer. This is the first offer. It was only two or $3,000 less than the number we'd written down. Now, any of you who have gone through the buying and selling of a house, you know, People come and they lowball, all right? You go, go in with a low offer, but at least there's an offer on the table. There's a higher counter. You work your way back, and then eventually you find and you meet somewhere in the middle. Now, because God had told us that was the number, I'd, I'd written it down. It was, you know, we really felt and sensed that that's what God had spoken to us about. So we did. We wrote it down. When that number came in, I said to the agent, I said, you're only two grand off. So he went back, and it was a 30-second phone call right there and then. It's like, they only want two, two more thousand, you know, two thousand more. It's like they were prepared to pay probably more than that. Thirty-second phone call, house sold. What that meant is we could then buy the house we bought considerably less than the one we were, we've just sold. It's ended up being a bigger house. It's an older house, but it's a bigger house with more space, and we were able to pay the exact price that that family was needing, and they needed that money. Some financial stuff going on. We didn't, we didn't even lowball it. We didn't even go in with a lower off. We just said, that seems like a fair price. We will pay that price. 
What we found out is that four families, four or five families, were all involved in the sale of these, these you know, everyone needed that house to sell and that house and that house. And because we weren't, we, we were just like, cool, yep, that sounds right, that's great. Five families were blessed in the middle of it and they all felt it and sensed it and commented to the agent, this has all gone just amazing, it's been great. But that perhaps God was a step of faith. We launched our first book. Um, <laughs> the day we went into the first lockdown, the books arrived in the country. Not a great way to, to kind of launch a book, right? But we moved so many books in that first. I mean, everyone was at home. They were just like clicking the credit cards, like buy, buy, buy. We can't go out, so we'll just buy online. So we, we sold a bunch of books in that first month. And we've, we've got this goal to give away thousands of books. And so today I need your help because... There's going to be 200 Loving the Skin You're In books out in the foyer. First 200, but the deal is, when you take it, you've got to give it to somebody who you know isn't following the Lord. Okay? So they're not a church person, but a friend. Just say, hey, a mate of mine, Mike, wrote a book. I'd love to give it to you as a gift. All right? This is a message about identity. So can you help me spread the word? Grab a copy. And we've got five of them. Lana's going to give them away to the first five hands. Go. Oh, there we go. But you've got to give them away. Can't keep them for yourself. Promise me. All right. Who's going to give that one away? You guys share. Shares. Awesome. You know what's cool? Six years on, five years on, I'm about to launch the sixth book from a perhaps God moment. In a month's time, I'm launching a book with Paul DeYong, uh, one of my heroes of the faith. That's another story I'll tell at another moment. Um, uh, a whole thing about finances and understanding that the first fruit belongs to God. And um, so that, that, that's, you know, that, that started with a perhaps God moment. And I share that because maybe you're thinking, I've got this crazy idea. I've got this idea, I don't know whether it's God or not. Well, step in. Have the sense of belief that maybe it's not God as a genie in a bottle saying, I'll do whatever you decide to do. But as we stepped, it all made sense. And God aligns so many things. I love this promise from Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We can have confidence as we step. God is with us. He will never fail to be with us. And the last thing is the team come, and as we give God some more praise in a moment, the last thing we see about Jonathan's front foot faith is that we fight alongside each other. I love this part of the story, that Jonathan had this, this nudge, this inkling, perhaps the Lord. But then he turned to his armor bearer, John. He goes, what do you reckon? Should we give this a nudge? Does anyone have one of those friends? If you do, you are so blessed. If you haven't got one of those friends, maybe you need to start being one of those friends. Because if you start being one of those friends, I reckon you'll find someone who'll be one of your friends. I think, we, I think we need an armor bearer. I think we need to be an armor bearer for somebody else. I, I, I think, I love this response. Jonathan floats the idea. What do you think? Should we go pick a fight with a group of Philistines up in a heavily fortified place? What's the armor bearer thinking? Well, this is his response. Do all that you have in mind, verse 7. His armor bearer said, go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. So, man, I want a friend like that. 
But you know, I've got some of those. I've got some armor bearers. I've got some people that are like, Mike, whatever. Whatever you need, I'm with you. You know why I got those? Because I'm also that for others. Because I'm armor bearers for others. I made that commitment that no matter what you feel, what you just, you know, what God is speaking to you, I'm with you all the way. You know, when we we're in the process of making the decision to move up to Whangarei, we're we're in Tauranga pastoring a church down there, and the opportunity came up for the lead pastor role here, and Stephen Bex were heading back to to Auckland. Now at that stage, Luke hadn't announced his successor. Could have been Boyd and Sharon, who's now the national leader. Could have been Stephen Bex. Could have been Mike and Liz Griffiths. I mean, incredible people could have been in that role. But God spoke very clearly to us out of Genesis 48 that, that it was going to be Stephen Bex. We kind of knew that, kind of tucked it away in our heart. Just And our decision to move was part of us deciding to be there for them. Genesis 48, there's this moment where a blessing is being prayed. Jacob over praying over Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And what should have happened is the older son should have received the blessing because that's the way it's done. But he switches hands and he prays over the younger rather than the oldest. He says, the oldest is going to be blessed, but the other is going to be greater and the, other, the older will serve the younger. Now, Steve and Bex were younger than us less experienced than us. And as we're praying and believing and, and, and hoping, you know, wondering what God was doing, perhaps the Lord felt so strongly, God said, you're going to go serve Stephen Beck's. The old is going to serve the younger. You're going to be great. There's going to be great things that are going to happen in your life, but your call is going to be to serve them. That was the decision we made eight, nine years ago. We moved up here. What we didn't know is that Steve was going to go through as some of you have heard his journey on horrific mental health. You know that just a few years earlier, Amy went through a, a similar one. In fact, with, with Zoe, she went through this horrific mental health journey. Insomnia, which led to depression. And the stigma of being a leader and, and dealing with mental health. And, and I believe Amy was one of the few, the forerunners that began to champion and speak about mental health at church. Man, she was brave. She put herself out there so many times. She shared messages around a holistic treatment of, of mental health. You know, the church, we had a lot to answer for. It's just like, have more faith and believe and you'll be better. But actually, it's a holistic approach to caring for our hearts and our minds. And, and she, and she kind of led the way reluctantly, painfully, put herself out there and is still walking that journey. But you know what? When Steve walked through it, we went, we know a little bit about this. Not, not everything you're experiencing, but we're like, what load can we carry? Because as an armor bearer, I'm like, I want your hands and your feet to be free so that you can do what you need to do. And I'm like, what's in your heart? You do it, we're in. Come on, we need an armor bearer and we need to be an armor bearer for someone else. We've got to do life together. You know, you'll hear us every week talking about small groups. It's like, would they stop going on about small groups? We will not. 
Do you know why? Because there's strength in numbers. I've heard testimony after testimony of people. You can't open up in a space like this. People can't get up and go, this is my challenge, this is my problem, this is my addiction, this is my, my struggle. It doesn't work in this environment. This is our place where we all come together, we worship and we celebrate. It's called a halftime talk. You know, so we go back out into the game of life, we treat some injuries, we maybe get refreshed, get a word from the coach, Jesus, and, and then we, we're back into it again. But we've got to meet. We've got to meet in those huddles every week. Find those people that are, think a little bit like you. Might be a little bit crazy like you too because they're just so passionate about this particular thing. That's why we, we're really all cool with those interest groups. But sometimes God then says, right, I want a 65-year-old and I want a 20-year-old and I want an 87-year-old. And, and God puts those groups together too because they're just what we need. So I would say if you haven't taken a chance in a small group, maybe you've been hurt in the past, and I get that. Maybe you tried and it was just like, oh, I felt like I, I got burned, I got broken. Would you try again? Would you give it another go? Gather a group of people that you like, that's a good start. Go, hey, are you meeting? Are you opening the word with anybody else throughout the week? If you're not, let's, let's make a group. We are open to all of those conversations. Because we want to see people connected. When we're connected, growth takes place. And this term, we've got a, a couple of awesome groups starting up. We've got two women's Bible studies that are starting up, which is really exciting for moms, and, but, but also just any woman that want to come and study the Word of God. We've got two men's Bible studies that are starting up. I'm so excited that there's so many groups starting that are passionate about opening the Word of God. It's not just interest groups, and I'm cool with the interest groups, but man, I get excited when people go, we want to study the Word and grow together. We've also got Alpha that's going to be starting. If you haven't done Alpha, an introduction to understanding who Jesus is. We've got a group of people that want to study what it means to follow Jesus. If you're interested in any of those groups, go and see Amy Bushman at the back of the small group stand. Let's get you connected. We're better together. We're better when we fight together. Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Heard of a pastor of a large church just a few years ago, um, early 40s, took his own life, committed suicide, deep, dark depression. It shared a little bit with a few people, but no one really knew the depth of his pain, the anguish. What would have happened if he had a friend? What if he had somebody who was there with him, picking him up off the bedroom floor in tears? God, I can't go on. Yes, you can, because I'm with you. I love this armor bearer. I love this guy that goes... Whatever's in your heart to do, come on, let's go. Let's go, let's go take this impossible situation because I trust you. Do you have an armor bearer? Could you be an armor bearer for someone? Could you find someone? I love watching our, our youth as they minister at the end of a Friday night. Often I'll come in and just stay away as a parent should, you know, but just kind of glimpse in. 
And often there's ministry taking place and there's a couple of people huddled around and they're praying for each other. And then someone else needs to be in the group, so they just open the group a little and bring them in. Make room for one more. Make room for one more. Man, I love that heart. But young people saying, I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. When Jaden puts out the call and he says, who wants to study the Bible as an extra thing on top of what we do? 20 people put their hands up and go, yeah, we're in. They're doing devotions and they're sharing with each other the things that they're learning and, and growing in their faith. They love it. God wants us to do life together. Let's not be isolated. Let's be like Jonathan and that armor bearer that goes, come on, let's take a mountain together. We could be sitting under a pomegranate tree or we could take a mountain. Come on, what do you want? What are you believing for? Perhaps God is speaking to you about something today. Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. One of my favorite passages in Scripture. But it's a, it's a really big one to follow through with, especially that last part. They did not love their lives to the death. I love that Jonathan, he, he climbs up using his hands and his feet with the armor bearer. They, 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 they take that space, the space probably the size of this auditorium. Boom, win the battle. And the whole army is affected by it. The testimony shook the camp. Come on, when God does something great in our lives, we share it with somebody. We share it with our small group. We share it wider. We tell people what God has done in our lives. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.